Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. 1 Peter 1.3 All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again. How many of you are grateful for His mercy and you didn't get what you deserved? Come on. But by His great mercy, we've been born again. Because God raised Jesus from the dead, now, because of that, because of what Jesus did, we live with great expectations. You know, a lot of people will tell you, keep your expectations really low. That way you're never let down and you don't have to live, be bitter. But in Christ, we can always have our expectations high and you can never get your hopes up too much in Christ. Come on. Now, you can, you can hope in the wrong things. Come on. But we can never get our hopes too high in God. And we talked a lot about expectation last week. Expectation, we talk about loss. We talk about uh, frustration and tension and the process. But I want to encourage you today, uh, kind of feeding off last week, is that it, it is a process. And the process means that something is coming. Right? So if you weren't in process, that would mean that you're living life as good as it gets. It ends here. But you're in process. Come on, this is not the end. Look at your neighbor and say, this is not the end. Say, something is happening. Something is happening. So I want to encourage you today in your process. You know, Scripture is full of the story, and we talk about it a lot during Christmas time. But really, the, the Scripture of barrenness, the, 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 the uh, Scripture is full of the narrative of barrenness, of people being pregnant, of the promise of childbearing, the, the promise of, of this seed that goes into our belly that has a process and then there's a delivery. In fact, this is a picture of the kingdom. This is a picture of your walk with God. There was a seed. How many know that someone spoke the word of God to your life and then that seed somehow fell in a good ground in your heart, in your life, and then there was a process of that seed. Now, sometimes that process takes two minutes. Sometimes that process takes two decades. But what matters is that it is in process, and the seed does produce if it finds good ground to get in. So we see this through pregnancy, right? How many know that there's a tangibility of pregnancy? Could you imagine, could you imagine Eve being pregnant for the first time? Like, what is happening to my body? My stomach's like, did I eat too many, like, apples, right? Did I eat too many avocados, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like her belly is growing. There's something growing inside of her. I believe that she knew instinctively. I'm, I'm sure she knew that there was life happening in her. But but the whole idea of pregnancy, and I've never been pregnant. Uh, I've had I've had uh, a, a, a food belly before. What do you call that? What do you, what do you, what do you huh? A food baby before, but I've I've never been pregnant. Obviously, I'm a man. I don't have I don't have the capabilities to do that. But but can you imagine the process? Well, some of you can't imagine, but guys, listen, women have this baby growing in there, and there's so many questions that come in the process. Is the baby okay? Is it healthy? Is it a boy or a girl? Is it going to have 10 fingers and 10 toes? There's all these questions during the process, but the fact is, is it, that there is a process says something is coming, right? And the fact that there is a process should give you hope, not despair, and I want to encourage you in that. Many of you think I'm in the process and your what ifs are negative. What if it doesn't turn out? What if the baby doesn't have 10 fingers and 10 toes? And a lot of people live life 
hopeless like that. But we don't live that way. We understand that we are in the middle of God's plan. We are in the middle of God's promise. And his promise is good. And he delivers good every single time. So don't judge the promise by the process. Because the process can be difficult sometimes. And it has a lot of questions. A lot of unseen. But it is tangible. Right? So the fact that you're in, pro- in process, the fact that there are difficult things around you, that you know good things are coming because of it, that is the great hope that we have. Come on. So something is happening. So again, look to your neighbor and say, this is not the end. Now, Mary had this process of nine months, right, of being pregnant. Most women have this process. Most of the time, normal pregnancy is about nine months, right? Nine months, huh? Ten. Ten for us. Um, but, but usually, it's, it's, you know, around nine months, something like that. But you got to understand, the world had been waiting for this promise of Jesus to come. She waited nine months. The whole world was waiting 4,000 years. Are you tracking with me? So, the promise, and we talked about this last week, is so much bigger than you. So, the process also is bigger than you. So, understand that, hey, just go through it. Don't grin and bear it. Live with great expectation. Um, pregnancy, you know, Christmas is kind of like that same thing. I want to take the sweater off. Is that distracting you, my big old fluffy sweater? It's hot. That's, that's a cue for somebody to turn it down. All right, listen. You guys know that in- anticipation that comes with Christmas, right? It's the same thing with pregnancy. I can't wait till my baby gets here. Some days are, you know, vomiting, uh, you know, hugging the porcelain. It's the same process, right? We're waiting for something to come. I remember as a kid, I remember weeks leading up to Christmas. I would get so excited as a kid about Christmas that weeks leading up to Christmas, I could not sleep at night because I was so excited because there was such a great expectation for me for the things that I've asked for, for the things that I was, quote, unquote, promised. And, you know, I, I grew up in the 80s. Now, that doesn't mean I was born in the 80s. Sorry to disappoint y'all. I know that y'all thought I was probably born in the 80s. I, was, I grew up in the 80s. Uh, and, um, and so as a kid, you know, the kind of the, the earliest gifts I can remember about being super excited about was an Atari. You guys know what I'm talking about? Well, before Atari, they had this thing called Pong, and we had that, and that was okay. But it got boring, you know, after like six weeks. But, but Atari was like state-of-the-art, like intense graphics with these, you know, it, it was kind of like Minecraft, but you know, flat, no three-dimensional stuff, and, you know, running across the screen, these dots and stuff. So we thought it was very cutting edge. So I remember the great hope is maybe I'll get an Atari. Maybe I'll get a bike, or maybe I'll get, I remember one year when I became a teenager, I wanted a stereo, right? And so all these things in my life, I, I longed for, and I had great expectation, and then I remember Christmas, Christmas, the night before Christmas, Christmas Eve, not being able to sleep because I was believing that Santa Claus, some creepy fat dude who ate my cookies, was going to break into my house and leave me a stereo, right? And, and I remember, you know, all kinds of, of Christmases. I think as a child, Christmas is all about the present, and it's all about the presence. I think when we get a little older, Christmas kind of becomes about the past, right? It becomes, it becomes about the memory. And I, I don't think that's a bad thing. And just track with me here. I, I remember the greatest, the, my greatest memory of Christmas was uh, the year that Leslie and I got engaged, right? And so we were going to drive on Christmas Day to my parents' house in Odessa from El Paso, four-hour drive. And it was cold. And I remember, man, we had our presents in there. And our plan 
was to stop in Van Horn, Texas. Now, if you don't know where Van Horn, Texas is, you probably don't know where Van Horn, Texas is unless you stopped at the pilot there. And so we would stop at the pilot and go in and get all of our stuff from Van Horn. And so we decided to open our Christmas the first year that we were engaged. It was the first year we were engaged, right? And at this pilot on the side of the road on highway in the middle of a four-hour drive. And I remember, that was one of the best Christmases we've ever had because we were together. We were getting there. We, we had an expectation for other things. Come on. And so we had, and, uh, <laughs> and so we had, yes, I did. And so Leslie's like, well, Hey, Hey, come on. And so, uh, why y'all going there? Um, but I remember, you know, Christmas kind of, again, as we get a little older, we kind of think, man, I remember Christmas, or the memory, the coldness that comes along Christmas. We think, oh, man, the music, all this stuff, it brings back our senses. We tune in to this past event that happened. But can I tell you, whether it be old presents that you got or new presents that you got, Christmas is really not about the presence. It's about the presence. It's about the presence of Jesus. Um, and really, it's not about the present that's coming. Now, there is a present that's coming. Jesus promised that he's coming back, that he's returning, that he's coming on the earth, and he's coming on a white horse, and he's got fire in his eyes and a sword in his hand, and he's coming for a bride who's made herself ready. Come on, we are longing for that day. But listen, 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 listen. Christmas is not about the future gift. Christmas is about the gift of the past, the greatest gift that has ever been given 2,000 years ago, the bread of life who was laying in a feeding trough for you and I. That's what Christmas is about. It's about a memory that infects our now and our current situation. A memory, a present that allows for presence in our life. Something that happened that infiltrates the now. Greater than a memory you'll ever have. Come on, are you with me? But because this thing happened, that's why we celebrate. Because it's an event that happened. And listen, this is the greatest gift that has ever been given. And so we can talk about our promise, whether it's the promise of Jesus returning or the promise that God has in your life. Maybe you're believing God for a miracle in your marriage. Maybe you're believing God for a miracle, a financial miracle. Maybe you're believing for healing in your body. All those things are promised. We believe that. But can I tell you, the greatest thing that has ever been promised to you has already been given. The greatest gift that you will ever get has already been given. It's already been unwrapped. It's already been delivered. It's the greatest gift and the greatest promise. The greatest promise that God could ever give has already been fulfilled. And when you get this, when you understand that that everything is taken care of in Christ, listen, when you get this, it makes the process for every other promise easier. And it makes the processes that are difficult a little bit sweeter because you know that when Jesus came, He left, but he also stayed. Come on. We're going to talk about that today. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19. For Christ Jesus, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. Right? He's not double-minded. Right? He's not a, what do you call it? Wishy-washy. He's not a, I'm trying to think. Huh? Back and forth. But there's a word, like a medical word that... Yeah, like a like psychological thing. Anyway, he's not back and forth. Y'all know what I'm saying. Bipolar. He's not bipolar. That's it, bipolar. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one who Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you as God's ultimate yes. 
Jesus is God's ultimate yes. God looked at us and he went, yes. Yes, I love you. Yes, I want you. Yes, I keep my promises. Yes, there is hope. Yes, there is joy. Yes, there is life. It's his ultimate yes. He always does what he says. For all God's promises have been fulfilled. Oh. In Christ with a resounding yes. You guys know how it is when you order something on Amazon? Nowadays, you're right. You're waiting on it. Some of y'all have not experienced the joy of that. Uh, I'll tell you, you should do that. I'll endorse that process. You order something, you get little notifications on your phone. You get emails saying, hey, it's on its way because the order had been fulfilled. Listen, can I tell you that 2,000 years ago, the order was fulfilled. The promise was fulfilled. It was already taken care of. Everything that you need in life has been taken care of. The order has been fulfilled. Now, the delivery process is where we're at. Come on. Now, we have the great gift, but the other gifts. Y'all all right? And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. So, again, if we can trust this great promise that he's with us, that it's an ultimate yes, that Jesus, the greatest thing that, has ever, that God has ever been given, has already been fulfilled. If we can trust that, then it makes the process for all other miracles in our lives easier. We can be, listen, we can be perfectly content with that, with what Christ has done. It doesn't mean that God's not going to do more in his life, but that was the ultimate thing. That's what all promises are built up off of. Are y'all tracking with me? All right, Luke chapter 1. Let's look at how Jesus came. Now, we're going to pick up where we left off last week with Elizabeth. It says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a village in Galilee, just a little town, to a virgin named Mary, and she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. If you have your Bible, or if you have a way to highlight that, highlight that, that right there. Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Then she, listen, listen confused and disturbed. Now, he just told her she's favored. Why is she confused and disturbed? Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. He said, don't be afraid, Mary. Don't freak out, for you have found favor with God. He says, you've got favor. There's a favor on you. And then he says, you found favor with God. He's reiterating what he's saying because she's tripping. She's like, what? What? What have I done to deserve this? This is overwhelming. And then he says this. You got favor. I'm telling you again, you got it. Like the preacher repeating himself, you got favor. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Now you got to understand, she was a good Jewish woman. She knew the promises. She knew how Jesus would come. She knew that Jesus would be born a virgin. She had no idea she would be the one until this moment. She, listen, she probably never even hoped it. He will be very great and be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. (laughs) Like, uh, don't you remember? Let me remind you. The Holy Spirit 
will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, referencing last week, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but now she's in her sixth month. Other words, if you can't believe the miracle for yourself, believe the miracle that's happening in your cousin. I mean, this, is, this whole story is surrounded by miracles and birth. For nothing is impossible with God. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said come true. And then the angel left her. Listen, Mary was favored of the Lord. Now, you got to understand something. Mary had a specific favor on her life. She had, she, when he comes to her, he says the first time he says favored woman. Because she had, listen, he she had a special favor on her because she had a specific purpose. So a specific purpose requires a specific favor. So there is a specific favor that God has on you for a specific purpose. It's not to carry baby Jesus. It is to carry Jesus, but not the baby Jesus, not that we see in the Christmas narrative. But you have favor. God's favor is on your life for a specific purpose. So there's a specific favor that we all have. That God looks at us and he says, she's my favorite for the job. So he has a special assignment for you because you're the best one for the job. So you can say, I can do this because I'm God's favorite. Other words, God could have picked anyone else for the job, but he picked me. Now, you don't want to be arrogant and tell other, look down at other people, whoa, you're not God's favorite. They're not God's favorite for your assignment. You're God's favorite for your assignment. That's why he picked you. You don't pick, you don't pick things for, that aren't your favorite. Right? I can go into that real deep. I love my kids. I love all my kids, but some of them are good at other things that the other ones aren't going to. They're, they're built for, for things to do that the other kids aren't built for. They have specific favor on their life. So one of my kids might be my favorite for washing the dishes. Another might be my favorite for mowing the yard. Can't wait till that day comes. So we have found, listen, just like Mary, we have found favor with God for a specific purpose, but also the world, listen, the world has a specific favor on it because of Jesus. Because of the, because of the favor that was on Mary's life, there is a favor that is on the world. God says, I'm selecting you for an assignment. You know what the assignment is? You know what the assignment for all humanity is? Yield to Jesus. Yield to his plan. Love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. That is the general favor upon mankind. Check it out. When he says this a second time, when he says, you have found favor with God, first of all, he calls her a favored woman. I believe he is speaking of the specific favor on her life. And then he says, you are favored of God. This word has been derived from many different meanings. Grace can be switched out, um, you know, for a specific task. All these things can be switched out. But the only other time that favor this exact way appears in the Greek is right here in Ephesians. Let me read it. Ephesians chapter 1. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us to be in Christ. Holy and without fault in his eyes, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. 
God wanted to do it. And, oh, there's more. And it brought him great pleasure. Now, I don't understand sacrificing your son is something you want to do, and it would bring you great pleasure. God knew the reward. God knew what he was getting when he sent Jesus. He knew the reward was you. He knew the reward was me. So it brought him great pleasure to pay the price. Y'all all right? So we praise God for the glorious grace. That's it right there. That's where that word is. So we thank God for this favor that he has poured out on all of us who belong to him. So that favor that he sees on Mary and he goes, you're favored? And she goes, yes. He's like, I got a specific test. And then he goes, you're favored again. And he wasn't just saying that to Mary. He's saying, well, what you carry shows that I have favor on all mankind. Why? Why, why, why are we favored? Because he loves you deeply. He loves you deeply. Think about, think about your value for a moment. That God would pay that high of a price for your life. As insecure as you are, as inadequate as you are, as sinful as you are, as dark a deep, nasty thought that you've ever had, God still loves you. He still loves you. He favors you deeply because he loves you deeply. He's got a shoreless, bottomless ocean of love for you. It's deep. It's wide. It's unending. It's rich. It's thick. It's tangible. It's unending. It doesn't end. He loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. That means it's going to last forever, and that means it extends forever. If he could stretch his arms out, they would go on and on and on forever. He loves you, and that's why you're favored, because God desires you. And he loved you. Listen, he loved you before you ever did anything good. He loved you before you ever responded to him. He loved you before you ever said, oh, yeah, Lord, come, let it be. I'm the Lord's servant. He loved you before that. Listen, he, he loves you even though you do things that are irritating. Those little jacked up things in your personality that get on other people's nerves. I know I've got a lot of those. Ask Leslie. Oh, yeah, that thing. Yeah, he loves me still. In my great capacity to fail, he loves me still. And he wants me still. We're favored. Romans 5, 8. God demonstrated his own love for this, for us through this, while we were yet sinners. While we were a rotten world, looking for a way not to be accountable to God, looking for a way out of relationship with God, looking for a way to do it our own way without God. He looked at us and said, I want you, so I'm going to come for you. Because we're favored. Because we're wanted. So Mary was favored. The second thing about Mary is Mary was overshadowed. I spent all week thinking about overshadowed. What does that mean? What does that mean to be overshadowed? Shadowed means that, that something bigger than you you're under something that's bigger than you, right? If something shadows you, if you're trying to get out of the, the sun, not today, but some days you would want to get out of the sun and you're outside, you would want to get behind something that's bigger than you so it could cast a shadow. 
And so when Mary was freaking out, she goes, how is this going to happen? How am I going to carry out what you called me to do? He says, listen, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Someone bigger who is control of your big purpose is going to overshadow you. You know, shadows, shadows can sometimes imply darkness in our lives. But when God casts a shadow, it's light. It's hope. And I, and I was reminded of the scripture in Psalm 91. It says this, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest, will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Listen, Mary was overshadowed to carry him so that we can live under that same shadow so he can carry us. I think you missed that. Mary was overshadowed to carry him so that we can live under that same shadow of the Holy Spirit so he can carry us, so we can experience his comfort, so we can experience his hope, so we can experience his joy, so we can experience his power in our lives. And this is what happened with Mary. She was given Jesus, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, just like we just sang, Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. So God showed up to Mary, overshadowed her, birthed in her, Jesus. Jesus came, lived on the earth, and he never left. He left physically, but he, the same spirit that he functioned in, he left on the earth. you got to understand something. Under the Old Testament, whenever this spirit came upon Mary, under the Old Covenant, the Holy Spirit would come on people. They would overshadow people. But listen, when Jesus returned to heaven, he sent his Holy Spirit, and he said, now you can live under that same thing that shadowed Mary. It's not something that comes and goes from your life. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not one that comes on and departs. It's someone we live with. It's someone that dwells inside of us, that lives in us. This is how Jesus never left. This is why he's always with us. Because the shadow never stopped. He's not far away. He's present. He's present. Everyone say that. He's present. He is here. When he says that, Emmanuel, what does that mean? That means he's here. That means he's here. He is with me. Wherever I go, I can't get away. He's with me, and he's not leaving. How many know that Jesus didn't come so that we could have a home in heaven? He came so that heaven could have a home on the earth. So Jesus came to make his presence permanent. Well, the Holy Spirit, he didn't leave. You might have left. The Holy Spirit doesn't leave the room. You might leave the room. He don't leave the room. Well, I was was praying and God showed up. He was already there. You just showed up. He didn't leave because he's Emmanuel. He's God with us. It's permanent. We need to learn to live in the shadow. So what does it mean? What does it mean that he is here 
with us. What does that mean? I want to give you three points, and then we're going to pray. Y'all good? The gift of his presence means, number one, residing hope. We talk a lot about hope at Christmas, and the reason is is because hope means expectation. We talked a little bit about this last week. Year-round, some of y'all, you know, December 26th, you're going to start planning next year. Right, Hannah? Probably do that. That's right. Countdowns on Facebook for Christmas next year. Residing hope. Listen, he is with you. God is a stay-at-home dad. Right? He's not nights and weekends. For most people, he's a weekend God. Right? He's a visitation rights God. Right? Okay, Lord, I'll go to church today. Visitation rights. He doesn't want visitation rights. He doesn't want that. He wants to give you hope all the time. I, I hear this all the time, and I love it. It's encouraging when people are like, oh, I need a church today. I need that. Can, can, can I tell you today, this, this, the same thing that you experience here on a Sunday morning, which is good and it's tangible, you can experience that every day. Residing hope. Hope that never leaves you. Hope that never leaves you. Even when the heater shuts down at 3 o'clock in the morning. Remember what Jesus said, I will be with you, Matthew 28, 20, I will be with you even until the end of the age. I'm here to stay. And where I am, hope lives. So stop saying, I feel hopeless. I'm despaired. I don't know what I'm going to do. You stop that and you start declaring, hope lives here. Because I bear Jesus, I bear the hope giver. And listen to this also, and you all have heard me say this before, you're a hope dealer. You're not a dope dealer, you're a hope dealer. And you got hope inside of you. So when you go to this dark world that has no hope, you got some hope. You're a dealer of that hope. And so that's why people at work are going to feel better when you're there. That's why they come to you and gossip to you. And I know that that's a hard tension because you don't want to be a bendable ear to gossip. But you're going to turn it around. Come on. You're going to figure out a way to point it to Jesus and point it in the right direction and be, be, be a, a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. And there's a difference. We're going to talk about peace in just a second. But the reason is is because you're there and you bear this man Jesus. He's inside of you. He dwells inside of you. He's not leaving. Number two, sustaining peace. That means the comfort of us, the comfort, there will always be comfort inside of us regardless of what's going on around us. It doesn't matter what's happening in the world. You can be at peace. Can I tell you, first century Christians suffered way more than we can ever even imagine of suffering yet they had peace. I'm talking about like your head getting cut off because you're not politically correct, not someone persecuting you on Facebook by defriending you. I'm talking about real persecution. 
I'm talking about people showing up at your door because you went to church and did what we're doing today and taking you outside in the street and making a spectacle of you when they slaughter you on the streets. Yet they had peace. We get in a fight with our boss at work. It takes us three months to get over it. We need inner healing. (laughs) Right? Just pray for me. I don't know what I'm going to (laughs) do. I'm not minimizing your situation. Those things are real, and it's your life. I'm I'm not trying to say that those aren't real struggles, but gain some perspective. You can have peace. Well, you don't know what I've been through. Well, I don't know what you've been through, but I know who does, and he's promised to never leave you or forsake you, and he's a stay-at-home dad. Isaiah 9-6 speaks as a Christmas. Next Christmas, we're going to do a series I've already got planned out called Born to Us. We're going to do a long series next year for Christmas. So we're going to start celebrating Christmas on Hannah Tom next year. Uh, probably not quite Hannah Tom, but almost. We'll do a five-week series next year on this. Uh, I really felt like the Lord already put that in me. Isaiah 9, 6, for us, unto us a child is born to us, a son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called. Wonderful. Mm. What does that mean? That means he's full of wonder. Come on. He will be counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and his peace will never end. His government is firmly established because Jesus showed up on the earth in a manger. 2,000 years ago, he established, He said, I'm here, not because you voted me in, but because I'm the king. And I'm here to establish my government. And at that moment when he was born in that manger, he said, my government is here. Do you want to be a part of my government? Do you want to have peace in your life? Then abide by my government. See, you can't get peace doing things your way. You can't get peace doing things the world's way. You have to come under his government. Right? His ruling. His walls. Y'all thought it was just, no. There's rules to keep. There's love to give. We can dig into that. But you want peace in your life? You come under his rulership. And can I tell you today, he's a good king. And he, he will ask you to do things that you don't want to do. Because your flesh is deeply influenced by this world. But I can tell you that under his government and his peace, there'll be no end. So how do we find peace in the midst of chaos? Line it up. Yield. Yield to his leading. It's hard. Isn't it hard? It's hard. So it's, the, it's the gift of his presence, residing hope. Sustaining peace, and number three, everlasting connection. Everlasting connection. You don't have to come to church to have a conversation with God. You don't, you don't even have to be in your prayer closet. What's a prayer closet? Well, you need to learn. You don't have to be in your quiet time to connect with God. You can do it driving down the road. You can do it when friends are at your house. 
everlasting connection. It's like, you know when, you're, when you have, like, your phone and you run out of data? And so you're asking people for their Wi-Fi password? Can I get your Wi-Fi password? Is it an open network here? Is the internet free? Why? Because you need a connection. Can I tell you that there's an everlasting password given to you by the great Wi-Fi network of conversation with God? And he's inviting you to top in that password. What is the password? The password is Jesus. That's the password. But you don't know what I've done. The password is Jesus. But you don't know what I've been through. The password is Jesus. But you don't know how many times, like, I blasphemed the Lord this week. The password is Jesus. You don't know how much sin I have in my life. The password is Jesus. Well, someone burned me in church at an early age. Someone called me demonic. A preacher hurt my feelings or the church was mean to me. The password is Jesus. It doesn't matter what's happened to you. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. It doesn't matter how easy it is. It doesn't matter how difficult it is. It doesn't matter what you've done or what you've said. The password is Jesus. Jesus is the password. And today, he's saying, will you call on me? Will you tap into my network? Will you come into relationship with me and find that hope that you long for? Will you come into relationship with me and find that peace that you want? that you've longed for, that you've looked in thousands of places in your life for that peace and you haven't found it. The password is Jesus. Everlasting connection. He's available. He is here. That is the greatest promise. The greatest promise that could ever, and I'm reiterating this point because I want you to get it today. The greatest promise that God has ever made has already been fulfilled. You want it? The password is Jesus.